Rocking chair, chair session. With Elisa Di Batista. Maria Teresa Barber. Hello, everyone. And welcome to RCS Rocking Chair Sessions, volume 56, with artist Amalia Caputo. Hi. Hello, Amalia. Thank you for Hi, coming. Hi, Amalia. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. We're, I was looking forward to your interview because we scheduled you before Art Basel, like during Art Basel back in December, and we're already in May. So, so we finally got you to sit down with us. Yes. Um, so welcome. And it Thank was so you. funny because uh, we showed all together yes. during Art Basel in yeah. an exhibition called yeah. Bitches, Witches, and Shots. Witches, Bitches, and Shots. It was a witches, bitches, and shots. I can't yeah. remember, but it was <laughs> bitches, witches, and shots, or witches, the other witches, way bitches, of, and yeah. shots. And and one of those. Yes, with um, TBD. With uh, DBD, TBD, TBD projects. Yeah. projects. And uh, that's how we all got together for the first time, right? And In a show, all I of think. us together. In yeah. a show. Yeah. In yeah. a show, I think it was the first time. Physically. But I first met Amalia, it was at the O Cinema opening with um, Marina Fine. Yeah. And you guys were doing the, I believe it was like the Instagram project that you Yeah, the nine not topics. Just, yeah, nine, nine topics. Not just at O Cinema, but also eventually in London. Yes. Do you want to jump jump in and talk to us about, uh, about the Well, I I love that's why I love your project so much because I'm very into collaborating with other artists and doing uh, fun things, getting out of the studio because studio can be lonely and yeah. it's always fun to have somebody else to talk to and share ideas. So um, the I have been collaborating with Marina for. A, some five or six years now yes. our projects ended now so <laughs> we're finally <laughs> it ended really yeah yeah well for now okay. i mean we still have one that is ongoing that could come eventually another iteration but mm -hmm. so the thing is we were invited to do a show at the art center uh, exhibition room like gallery and um so there was in this empty, beautiful room that has a curve uh, wall. Yes. And Upstairs in the 924 building. Yeah, in the 924. So we were like, okay, what are we going to do? So we actually started this uh, between, like a conversation, a visual conversation between both of us. In uh, For the show, we she was in somewhere in Europe and I was in Barcelona and we had to plan the show so we started sending images to what like the correspondences the visual correspondences would be so we would send pictures and tag each other through instagram so that's the very like first beginning of our collaboration and then it turned out that in the show we kind of erased the idea of authorship within the walls of the space so we decided to put the work together dialoguing and then on the little room with a curved wall we decided to print all those images that had been part of the conversation so that 
became Insta Correspondences. And it's this dialogue that we sustain through time and we hashtag each other whenever we feel like it. It doesn't have any theme or anything. It's just like a visual conversation. And it's remembering the postcard or the times where you would write to somebody and send them, you know, a little thought. So this came, it it was the first show, and then we've had six shows of this conversation that grows and grows and grows. After that, the Girls Club collection in Fort Lauderdale invited us for their yearly web project. So we could do whatever we wanted, and we said, okay, what about if we open the conversation a little bit, you know, not just you and I, but let's do an open call through Instagram, and then that's how Nine Topics was born. And Nine Topics uh, had three iterations. Um, The first one was held at the Girls Club. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second was at Oh Miami, and the third one was in London. But that was with another uh, foundation called Triad, which is, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's Triad, and it's in London, and it's a non-for-profit. And there's cinemas and Wynwood nearby. Yeah. So the thing is that we had this idea of thinking about, because we're both photo-based artists, we think a lot about or at least I do, about what is going on with photography. That is, it has taken over our lives. You know, we live a parallel photographic life, stream of life every single day. And uh, so we think a lot about that. And we decided, and you know, the the selfies, we're both mother of teenagers, and we discuss all these issues about how to, you know, present yourself through social medias and Mm -hmm. such and such. So... It was, um, we thought about, okay, let's let's make a plan, a nine-month kind of, because we had a year to do the project. Oh, so let's do a nine-month gest- uh, gestation project. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it would be thinking about the selfie through Instagram, through different topics that we would give every month. So that's why it was named Nine Topics. So every month was a topic with the idea of think about the self without the selfie. And uh, so that was a great project. And at the end, every month, we would select from all the submissions that were global, um, we would select 30 to correspond loosely to one day of each month. And then we made our panels for the show. And that's what, you know, the show was comprised of all these thoughts about the self. That would be from the body, uh, the psyche, uh, what else? It was very psychological. When yes. I was, I was, I haven't been in Miami for too long when you started the project, and I was also, I, I also submitted images. I was yes, really excited, and and it was like very psychological. How did you come up with the with the topics? I, I went over it again. It was like started with my world. Yes. And then there was the last one was desire. Yes. But then there was also like. Um, Psyche and flesh, yeah. and it's because what? Well, these these topics came from conversations we had, long conversations of how to approach. Uh, because it's also tricky because you don't want, you know. Well, you don't not for you because it's okay. You're open to everything, but you know, social medias have their censorship laws and. So if you put flesh and somebody wants to be, you know, proposing, it, it was not the place for that. Yeah. So we were thinking of something quite open, open-ended, every topic to be, but also, you know, like 
delimited on ideas. So it would be, you know, inspiring. Dependency. Or yeah, something dependency. Was a, it was also That's interesting. Like yeah. And there were a couple that I felt like I, was harder for me. And uh, others were really easy. It was really interesting. I was like, and it had to do with the physical space of the self, the space yeah. you inhabit, and the mental space and the physical body. I mean, it was trying to think about the self. So awesome. it was a lovely project. Mm -hmm. And and so after the O Cinema, a woman that lives in London, uh, who uh, who has this O um, organization, a not for profit in the arts, she invited us to do. A second call. So, so we did new uh, a new order of of topics, and some similar, some overlapped. But we did a new open call, and then we had a show in London that was in February last year. That's amazing. And you also did like a beautiful print of the oh for that for that exhibition right? we had a different ending. Not only the show, but we did a print a, a, a portfolio, a limited edition portfolio with nine of the best images from that call. Mm -hmm. So it was we did a jury from both of us. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we came up with nine images that we thought that represented this um, this idea, this concept. I like that. And um, as an artist, do you feel that you've enjoyed playing the role of also like like curating these images and putting the show together? Like I feel like as artists, sometimes you wear many hats. How do you, you and Marina, like balance that? Um, well, it came very organically, and and that has happened since we met. I am a, uh, I studied art history, and then I started to do my own work, and uh, I do curate and write a lot about art. So for me, it comes very natural to address other people's work and ideas and put them together. I love doing that. I think it's a great exercise to look at somebody else's work. Uh, that's why I love writing about other artists. So, and uh, with Marina, it, it, we met and we had, you know, um, the same media. So it came very organic. Like it was a natural conversation. And I, that's that's so interesting that you started with art history and you started out basically more on the curatorial side before you went into the art side. Is well, that, it was, was more that or less like parallel that? Because was I, yeah, I started. Um, to do, like I started my first photography course, like, well, I have a very long history with photography. When I was 15, I decided I needed to have a camera in my bag. At 15? At 15, and that was my 50-year-old gift from my family. My kids say, I didn't want to go to a ball or anything. I wanted to have a camera because I thought it was, you know, everything is so important <laughs> that you need to keep. Of course, you had to keep your shots counted because my mother would be very angry if I would use one roll of 24 shots or 36 in a day. Like, no, you're supposed, that's supposed to last. So I started. <laughs> she was the first curator. She was my curator. Yes. Um, so I I've always had this issue with memory and trying to keep things to like like a testimony of things. So that's my relationship with photography. And then I studied art history because I just loved it. And um, but when I was mid career, I started. Uh, in the like black and white uh, dark room st 
straightforward photography, and but very soon after, I was you know looking for a different. Uh, I was looking for different things that was not that were not in the streets. Like I was not a kind of documentary photographer. I like I was more interested always in constructing my own image, like what I wanted to convey or. In so, the studio more. In the studio mm -hmm. or even outside, mm -hmm. which is how I still work. I mm -hmm. work half in the studio and half outside. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I like to be free that way. Mm -hmm. But I do use a lot the studio. Mm -hmm. But I like to, like, I like uh, to build my images, to make them happen. Mm -hmm. Not to, sometimes I even find them. Mm -hmm. And that's marvelous when it happens. But um, usually they're part of something else that I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. So my work is research-based, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's also, I feel like, a, a storytelling, like, um, component in it like when, when I see your previous work I do see like you say like it's it's built like you're the one who selects certain imagery like there's a video of like the, the pink house being dragged into the ocean like there's these stories that you create and I feel like that's not just art history were you a storyteller as a little kid were you did you like to like invent things or I was well I always wanted to be a writer <laughs> when I was a little girl but that didn't happen so yes I I, I I never think that my work is so narrative as it ends up being, but it ends up being narrative. Um, yes. Because you're a writer after all. No, no, I'm a visual writer, let's say, but um, you know what? Um, I don't know. I think uh, I like, uh, I, I think my work is more conceptual than it ends up being. But that work, for example, is a very clear story about displacement and about, I was thinking about uh, Greek goddesses and their archetypes in relation to women, and specifically Hestia, who's the goddess of hearth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, domesticity, the house, uh, also leaving your country, leaving your place, leaving your body, leaving your house. I mean, all these ideas of migrations, like there are many layers in every, yeah, in those stories that were, you know, from those years, that was 2009, 2000. It was already 10 years into the dictatorship in Venezuela, so I always think about these things. People start fleeing their countries, and I live here where everybody comes from somewhere else, bringing their belongings, and this idea of the mother of the house, you know, taking care of everything. And so these ideas are, you know, very important to me. I was really struck by the image that we selected for the, the preview. The keys. Um, it almost feels like a harness. It's like heavy. It's like a weight. It's like, like this responsive. Could you t talk about that piece a little bit more? Well, those that 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 piece is called entrance, and I had this idea because I've moved quite a bit in my life, and it's also related to this idea of the home and and the body well, as a home. You're born in like you say. You know, you're here, and then you also mentioned. No? Yeah, but I, um, as a girl, I lived in Venezuela. Then I moved to the States when my dad was doing his, P his master's and his PhD. Then we went back to Venezuela. Then I moved to New York after my uh, art history degree and went to NYU to pursue an MFA in, in photography and studio art. And uh, then I met my husband, we moved to Barcelona, we lived there for nine years, then we decided to come back to the States, we came to Miami. 
but Miami was not unfamiliar because my grandfather was American and he was from New York and he came to Miami to grow old. So I used to come <laughs> so quite your often grandfather was to here Miami. I, yeah, I was familiar to Miami, but I never thought I would live here. Mm -hmm. But it so happened. I, you know, I was moving back to the States. We were going to New York, but we went in February and we said, we are crazy. <laughs> we're not moving back. <laughs> so we came to Florida to visit my mother and uh, we said, we saw friends that were from New York that had kids, were living down here. We're like, uh, this looks like a better idea for now. And that's the way. But going back to the peas, so I have this idea of, you know, the way, all these doors that were continuously, I like to think of my work as metaphors that happen, you know, like you can relate to them in different ways. But my idea was this, um, the weight we carry with all these places we inhabit and the body itself. And this connection, I love to make this connection between the inner body and the physical space we inhabit. So those keys are actually, they were very, very heavy. And I had like, I don't know how long it took me to make that little belt of, of keys and it was so heavy. And then I had a huge, this is an anecdote, I had a huge allergy. Oh no. Because it was to like- the material. Like yeah. the yeah. Yeah. They were all yeah, and stinky and, and <laughs> but yeah, that, that piece is, uh, and in, in this idea, there's three of them. So one is in the neck, the other one is like uh, the, the column, and the other one is like an offering. So it's this idea of how do we relate to all these keys of life and doors that open and things, yeah. I don't like to explain too much the work, but this is what no, the I initial thought. No, I was thinking process. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, um, Elisa always picks the, the images for the previews. She gets all the credit for that. And she does <laughs> such a wonderful job at curating that. And uh, I was really struck by this image too because I saw some of your work, right? And I was like, this is Somalia, right? This is Somalia. But she always hits like a spot, like with the images that she chooses. Uh -huh. There might, maybe not everyone knows that image from yeah. your work, right? No. It's more like what she. Yeah, I really love that you picked it. I yeah, loved it. I'm like, oh, like, that's wow. a surprise. Yeah. So strong. Yeah, yeah kind of like it, it, it makes you question, like, who's this person? Why all these keys? Are they trapped? Um, I'm scared of horror movies. <laughs> oh, me too. And there are horror movies that involve like Keys. find your key. And for me, it was like I was nervous to pick the image, but I was also excited because I was like, I have to pick this one, even like kind of frightened. We even talked bit. about it, yes. right? Because Elisa had like two images, I had and two images. that's not a lot, and that not very often that she's really like that she feels like she needs some feedback on it. And I was like, totally, yes, go for it, yes, go for it. That's yeah, the image, that's, that's the image. It had like, yeah, it had like, it had something very emotional that I also connected with it from my But there's also like a like a mysteriousness which I think connects to your work. Um the there's a mysterious in your work in that like not just you building the narratives. I'm going somewhere with this. It's in my mind. But for example like the videos that you have, it looks like an old architectural place. It feels like it's Europe almost like the indoors. It is. Yeah, relentless. Relentless. And it feels very ghost like 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 ethereal almost and then 
that one has like a kind of like there's a glow with the keys and there's also like an like a ghostliness to it like like a, like a, like you feel a little energy which I'm reverting to back the word of energy because when you got here we were having mic issues <laughs> and it was like sparking and making this energetic noise can you talk about that layering that happens and like the I don't know, the etherealness almost within your, that you don't know where it is. Like even the one with your roots and your hair that you're like, where is this road? Like it's not, it's not certain. There's, yes, I don't know. I think that that comes from this idea that I, it's, they're not dreams, okay? Because I think of them. They're not things that happen to me in my psyche. But I think of this moment, of these moments that happen, and I think of these scenarios that kind of just come to me in a way. Like, for example, that piece, Relentless, it, I have this, uh, I was working for a long time with the body, and then I decided to, you know, step out away. I first started with my own body, then I started to work with other people's bodies, and then I grew out of the body in a way, but I, it's always like the core of my work because we are part of it all. Like, if we don't exist, then it's a major, it's a, a, it's a different theme, so. <clears throat> So the thing is, all these scenarios I find and then I want to put together these moments where things are happening. And for example, my video work is usually things that go on and on and on like in a loop. I don't want to have a narrative of something, but they do tell stories. And in that specific case, as in the keys, uh, in uh, Entrance, the series, I work with this notion of the spaces we inhabit and how we, I like to think a lot about morphic resonances, so things that you know relate to you, the physical, the physicality of the spaces and how you connect as a physical body with those spaces. So these are images kind of, they're very ghostly, and yes, they speak about the, the history of those places. And it, uh, it starts because, it, it, you know, I don't know, never know how it actually starts because I knew that place for a longest time, and then I thought about this, and I said, oh, that is a perfect place to shoot this video where these two women are going up and down a stair relentlessly. And it's about aging, it's about time, it's about womanhood, it's about mother and daughter, it's, it becomes, you know, about many things. So it's a story that is untold, but told at the same time. Yeah, I feel like it's that pairing of the recognizable with, um Pairing a recognizable with recognizable that then makes it unusual. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like two, two recognizable yeah. Yeah, yeah. entities, <laughs> like, and then by blending them, it becomes more surreal, like mysterious. Yeah, yeah. And I look. I do have a very intense fascination for the memory of objects. I have worked with objects and artifice, artifice, like with this idea of of places and things that have a memory. The Physically, energy. The energy, and also the, the second preview, I did a, the, the one that we didn't post, were the objects that you had gridded. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Well, that's a very large installation, and uh, what I did with that, because I've moved so much, <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I carry a lot of my stuff, since I, I, I keep 
a lot of my stuff. I don't consider myself a hoarder. I'm kind of a hoarder. But I'm kind <laughs> of one. I, I mean, I don't consider a full hoarder because yeah. I, I like to keep an it's order. And I do stop. I don't have like all the newspapers since I was born or something like that. No, I just, you know, there's things that acquire some special meaning that deserves to be kept. Certainly. And I have a collection of nothing because it's, you know, whatever it is. It's important boxes and things and sunglasses and glasses and old passports, whatever, from my family, from like lots of things. And I've been carrying this since I left Venezuela. I had these things at home and then I left Venezuela in 92. So I had to leave everything there because I was moving to New York to study. So I was not going to travel with that. Kind of for the storage But that space. stayed there. And then when I moved to Barcelona where I stayed, I lived in New York for four years and then in Barcelona for nine. Then again, I started to collect things. And for example, things that I never threw, like I have all the letters that I have been always received throughout all my life. All the letters that have been, all the words that have been told to me. So I've, I've worked with that in, in another piece uh, called Epistolario. And for example, with this piece, I, I was thinking I need to get, you know, these things, I need to transform this ob these objects into images. I need to reduce that physical archive into a visual archive. So what I was thinking about, what is the presence of the object in a museum? So this project made a lot of sense because it, I did it in Venezuela at a museum. It was a solo show. And I brought a selection of 1,700 things that I had photographed. <laughs> I didn't bring them all to Venezuela. I brought the selection. I'm like, just 1,700. It's just a drop in the I didn't bring 100,000. <laughs> no, so I had photographed 1,700 plus objects, but I only was able to go uh, with five suitcases. And I was retained at the customs for four hours because I was bringing so much stuff. And they're like, what are you going to do? And everything is old. So they're opening these. Yeah, they're like, are you going to sell this? And, and then like, I had, of course, I had the letter from the museum. And I was, uh, it was considered a, a donation because the idea of this show is that I created my visual archive. So I was going to place objects in a display in a museum. And the objects will not belong to me anymore. So everybody was welcome to take whatever they wanted from those wow. objects. So you could use them as an art fetish, like, oh, this is a piece by Amalia. Or you could, oh, I like those, you know, I like that t-shirt. I'm going to take it. Or I like this little whatever. And uh, so I had everything basically was gone by the week of the show opening. So I had to remove the displays and then just the visual. So it was this idea of the transformation of and the construction of the archives, how the how these objects live and then the ownership. First of all, the ownership of the object. It's my object. It goes to a museum. Does it become a work of art? Does it not? Do we think about Duchamp? Do we not? Uh, but anyway, in any case, I wanted to give them away. Um, of course, I did not give away the very, very, very special things that you know are from my family or things that have a special meaning, like the teeth of my kids. I'm not giving them away. <laughs> I will keep them. <laughs> 
Forever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> but no worries, kids. They already moved their teeth. They're not worried about that anymore. No, but the, the idea was this exchange. I'm interested in exchange. I think a lot about the process of art making, and I am kind of, you know, uncomfortable with it, with this idea that it has to be an object for sale. Like, of course, I like to sell my work and live of it is our, you know, our idea. <clears throat> live out of your, off your work. But <clears throat> the notion of having this possibility of a dialogue. So I had a little table at the entrance or at the exit that I would ask, what did you take? Why did, can I ask why, what did you take and why did you take it? Why did you choose it and what you're gonna use it for? So I had artists that sent me after pieces that they did with stuff they took and I have people that showed me pictures. Oh, I'm wearing those glasses. They were vintage, <laughs> beautiful. It was like, a, it was this feeling of a vintage thrift shop market kind of situation but there was no currency involved. And then it was interesting that the museum had this openness uh, because at the beginning I, I thought, you know, things that come into the museum, they come into the format of, you know, insurance policies and catalog. Catalog. No, and we, yeah, exactly, archiving. But I came with everything myself and it was like a personal. It was a performance. It almost. was a performance. It was a performance. Actually, I did a couple of uh, videos that are on the opening and installing the displays. And it was very fun, and it was lovely. And then I came back with my, when the museum gave me the work, it was two boxes of photographs. I was lighter. It was such a relief. And I'm ready to do two more of those, but I haven't <laughs> found a venue. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yeah, I would love to do one. So the photographs, did you do the photographs in the museum? No, or, no, no. Or you I, did the photographs before? I, I was, yeah, photographing mm. for two years in my studio, mm. the objects. And printing. So you would have, would you would have a whole new set of photographs ready, that would go with the objects well, that I you could, would give I away. Well, I could, I still have my visual archive. Mm -hmm. I could use that one, and I could do new ones, and I could put new objects because the ones that are gone are gone. But it's still this open-endedness of this idea that you know transforms like yeah. this gigantic piece that never ends. I love that. It's so great. I don't I know if I'm going to do it again. I would love that. I, I've tried uh, to show it in a couple places, but it hasn't had, I don't know. Hasn't Alrighty, had everyone listening <laughs> who owns a museum or something like or that. Or a big space. space. <laughs> a big space. Make it happen. Amalia is ready with her suitcases. Yeah, I have everything. <laughs> it would be amazing. Yeah. So I like to do these projects that, you know, make me think more about my relationship to the work and how I, and one of my main concerns is like the undercurrent of my work is basically how, what is photography and how we live with it. So the construction of archives comes as a very important part of photography. And what's happening with photography now is even more relevant because it's, it's shifted from the private to the public and now everything is shared. shared. And uh, what are we gonna do with all these archives that circulate you know, somewhere in the cloud or in internet. So I think constantly about these things. So that was very, you know, that was kind of the beginning of these, this idea of communicating 
visually with images. Mm -hmm. And then the memory part, which is very important. There's another piece that I worked in that was called Memories of Oblivion. Mm -hmm. And those were repurposed uh, images from my father, from my childhood. And I intervened them chemically, physically. I burnt them. I, and then I, they were Kodachrome slides. And then I digitalized them. And they're almost faded. And it's a direct metaphor of what happens to your childhood, to your memory to a country that disappears in a politic situation and the country that I live, I lived in is not the country that exists now. So I think of all these things that photography can do. Like how can you relate to memory through different points of view and different perspectives. Mm -hmm. That is so interesting. I recently was thinking about that. Like going through, like I still have images that my mother took of me as a child that I brought with me also through my migration, you know, and I, I ripped them out of these big photo albums, you know, that you had, you know, I ripped them out and I had them in a box and then I put them together in like really tight together so just I could carry them easier, you know. And then I have one picture from my grandmother when she was a kid. She was born 1912. So the photograph is probably from 1916 or something, her whole family and her. Beautiful. And I took that, you know, and it's so interesting, like, how photographs carry like these memories of people you know but then like before that time there were no photographs like there is no photograph of yeah it's 1839 was the first image that was fixed onto a surface so before that there had been, you know, camera obscura that had been, but it was a drawing process, not, yeah. it wasn't a chemistry process. But it, photography is amazing. It's like one of the best inventions. It never, I think, like, nobody knew it was going to be so important in our life. Just what you're saying, it carries your history. Yeah. Your genetic history, you can see, you can recognize or not yourself in gestures and facial treats it's and you very can go back to it you know you can go back to it you can follow the trajectory of your family but but then i was thinking oh wow yeah before that like so 19 probably 16 that photograph maybe she had a photograph of her mother when her mother was a little younger you know but that was maybe 1900 or but then what that was but only that rich was people it. would be able before to that it would have not happened but now if you're looking into the future you know like you said the what image is, is going to be so what is not photographed yeah what yeah. is not what being is not photographed, photographed. you photograph your food your hair your teeth your belly button whatever yeah. i mean everything it's super interesting, and I'm, I'm totally obsessed with both sides, like the historical part of photography, and I've worked a lot with archives, and I, I was invited at the CAP project in Vizcaya, the Contemporary Art Project, mm -hmm. for uh, six months. I was a resident there. I could get to see all the archives and all the photographs and the letters and the notes between the architect and daring, and it was amazing. And I did this project based on this idea of how do you build a place 
based on the physical materials that were left. Mm -hmm. All these stories. And then after Vizcaya, I found, like, amazingly in Coconut Grove where I lived, I found an old suitcase, which I love old suitcases, Same. and I have a little mini collection. Me too. I put and, Well, I found when I took the, the suitcase, I saw it in the street, I took it, and I, when I opened it in my studio, it was filled with photographs. Wow. And Treasure. I was dying. It, was, it had been a house that had been emptied, and everybody had taken everything because they put everything in the street. I had seen a mountain of furniture the day before. I passed by that street every day, and I saw every thing like stuff and then the next day there was only the suitcase it was meant to be it was for me <laughs> and it was full of photographs I'm still working with those images yes. I'm working on a project I I'm reading at the articles it's so and they, it had some scraps newspaper scraps from the 1940s 1930s it was a very old suitcase i have to wear a mask it smells so much it has I like mold yeah yeah but it's beautiful you know i love working with this and recreating a new story after those old stories so repurposing reframing retaking and not only producing new images but using images to do something else you know to mm -hmm think about something else after one thing has already been done like you use maybe a, you know a canvas you found you repaint it on top and mm -hmm. or do whatever or yeah. twist it and this, turn yeah, it yeah this, this transitions exactly. or transformations yeah. also exactly yeah, yeah. i was curious to know me first Maria. <laughs> first let me jump in i am yeah. I was curious to know about more or less like the archive you've been building you said you started photographing when you were 15 do you have any of those left? oh yeah I have all those photographs, I have them. I have the negatives. Wow. I remember my mom saying like, throw the negatives, you already have the picture. I'm like, no. And I'm happy I have them. How many negatives do you have? I have tons. I have, an, I have a huge archive that is, uh, I need to work on that so hard. Like, because I've been moving also, I don't have a physical space for everything to be at the same place. So I have boxes and then I have, you know, the file or the, the black files that were for the negatives, binders, the yeah. binders. And then I have drawers, I have some, and then I'm digital. So now I shoot more and I store, I store images that I download from the web. So I have an enormous visual photo archive, enormous. And what do you recall from that time frame that you were living in Venezuela and you were capturing this country that you knew? Like, what do you remember like that you selected um, as a young photographer? What, like what type of images did you capture? Was it just your friends? Or it was me and my friends, and basically. It's it's a relation. I can I can relate to what kids do now through in their Snapchat or Instagram. It was mostly my life, my activities, I, uh, landscapes, trees. I'm in love with trees, so I my first work, like creative work, was out of trees, and I found feminine shapes in trees and I was looking at all the trees and I could find and yeah I, I think it was very it wasn't so relevant it was just registering my my daily life but it ends up that I'm the only one that has pictures of when we were 14 and going to school from the classroom and my friends and the barbecue whatever well it was not very socially engaged or nothing. It was just 
autobiographical. Did they have a yearbook when you were in school? Were you part of the... You know, in Venezuela, we did yearbooks in sixth grade, which is when you finish uh, elementary, and then in fifth uh, year of high school, which is when you finish high school. But you, there's, you don't do... Nothing in between? No. Well, at least not in my school, so... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mary. But there's, yeah, I don't know. There's something about photography that is really, there, there is this other aspect to it that is a social aspect. It's a documentary aspect. It's the archive aspect. Right? You don't talk like this about painting, right? You don't talk like this, you know, you're, when you're finding a bunch of paintings. And even if they are portraits, it, it's not the same in a way. No. It's, it's, it's a different I mean, feeling. It's a different capturing. It's not instant. You know, and it's not yeah, it's not like this moment in time. It, it's a or, moment in time that takes a lot of time, yeah. several moments. So it's it's a it's I mean, it's just so varied. And it's like from from a very different like I'm I'm at the moment I'm getting into uh, studying more about library cataloging and interestingly enough, photography is not under N like visual arts. It's under T for technology. It is technology. If you're looking for a photo book, and even if it's a photographer, like whatever, artist, an it's author, under T yes, R technology. It's for technology. You're using a machine. I was like you, blown you, away. Yeah. I was blown away today. And I knew, I remember in school looking for photo books, and it's always like not what the other artists are, sculpture, painting, everything no. is in N, visual arts, and then photography is like way, way in T, yeah, T-R, yeah, yeah. you know. It's crazy, but it is. It's, it is technology. That's it, right? It's technology. It still is. Yeah, it still is technology. Yeah. The interface of the camera. Yeah, it has that aspect to it. Even if we, I don't know, I don't know if we want to embrace it now more than there was a long time this fight that yes photography belongs into visual arts but it's always going to be that has been a huge technology. discussion yeah. like throughout photography's existence yeah. like Benjamin spoke about that and and um Baudelaire Sontag wrote a whole book about yeah, it right? Baudelaire was fighting against photography and they were thinking ah you know but that's how we relate to technology. We're always furious with technology. We always think that it's not enough or it's too much or it's the way we relate it's with taking yeah, over. It's taking over it? and that same thing with comic books when when they started to appear like oh they're going to ruin our brain and and comic book were not technology but uh, you know this idea that something takes over yeah. your way of of living and, yeah. and it's going to change it forever and it actually has. It has changed it, it forever like it's interesting yeah. yeah so funny i'm curious to know because you do video you do um photography and you also i feel like they're almost performative like the like for example installation you say how do you go from one to the other how do you select this is what i want to do like what what is it in the piece that drives you in one direction uh depending on th what i'm working at the moment um i have been working several thematic threads throughout my career as an artist mm -hmm. and depending on what am I doing what am I researching I sometimes do video at the same time as photography okay. so I do high um, resolution stills that will be used as a photo image to be shown at the same time that I'm shooting the video 
Uh, my work is quite performative, as you said, but it's usually a private performance. Either it's by me or people that collaborate with me. Uh, and so we have you know, this discussion, you're going to perform this action, and this is going to happen, and you're going to move, and you're going to do this, da 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 So I function kind of a director slash performer uh, in that sense. And uh, I don't know, every work calls for a different media. Some things need, uh, I started working in videos in the early 90s because I thought I needed sound. I'm, I'm very prone to music, and I'm like, you know, very much interested in sound, and uh, but I have never studied it in a way. But I, some works call for having movement, and those need to be a video. And then now some works just need to be a video, and they don't have a, a photograph that accompanies the work. So depending, I, it's very organic in that way. I'm not so like, oh, this is going. You know, I flow. Sometimes I say, oh, you know what? The day that I'm shooting this, I'm also going to be shooting photographs. So I need to have both. Sometimes I just need the video. Yeah, I'm curious about the video because I feel like sometimes when you just the hearing or the capacity to hear sound, it creates a visual in your mind and it creates a mood. Um, definitely sets a tone in movies like what the sound um, is doing. And so have you ever thought of exploring just sound? <laughs> Probably not. Yes, I well, I, I love sound, and I have I actually I have incorporated many installations. It's funny because nobody notices, <laughs> but in my exhibitions, I mostly have a sound bite that goes on and on. But the problem is, you can hear it when the exhibition is empty, because I never use loudspeakers. Maybe it's an iPhone. Or an iPod with a little, you know, speaker here and there, because I want to have this happening. But then, no, when people start talking and they get into the space, they take over. So nobody never notices. That is so. It's you have like your secret soundtrack for every exhibition, and, and uh, it's always the same. It has been this. This specific has been always the same. It's a little frog that's called coqui that come from Puerto Rico, but they were taken to Venezuela, and they're everywhere. So they sound at night, every night, all the time. And it's different tones, different volumes, and you hear them. Like, I'm used to it. Some people drive them, like, a foreigner comes to Caracas and they can't sleep. They're like, what is this sound all night? And then they silence when the sun comes out. So it's a beautiful sound, and I love these things, these little like uh, you know games with with myself and kind of double you know this double idea of Nobody's having. Nobody's ever heard it. I don't think so. Listen, I don't even. An, <laughs> well, I haven't had a show in Miami for a long time, so, so that's we'll why. Put it out there, hopefully next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any upcoming projects or exhibitions or maybe residencies or trips you want to share with us? Well, yes, I will be going to Chile this summer. So I'm going to work on some photographs that I've been willing to do for a long time uh, there. And uh, I am working also for a solo exhibition at, in Venezuela at the um, Maxul, which is the Museo um, 
de arte contemporáneo del Zulia en Maracaibo. And it's wonderful because I've never shown in Venezuela and this is the only museum that still has autonomy wow. out of the government. And um, so it, it's a place where artists are showing and it makes me really happy to be showing my country after 2012, it was my last wow. time. I've, I mean, I've been participating in, in collective exhibitions but not having a solo show. So I'm working on that for November. It has been kind of tricky because the situation in the country is very bad, so it has been moved. So it might happen in November, it might happen in February. But I'm very open to that. I just want it to happen whenever it, you know, happens. Yeah. And uh, I do have, uh, I'm, I just had in Colombia, I participated in a video exhibition from Venezuela. Uh, um, Venezuelan video artists and uh, now a larger selection of artists is going to Paris and it's going to be fairly soon. So yeah, I'm doing all these little things and uh, in Chile I will also collaborate again with Eugenia Vargas with whom I had Talking Head Transmitters which was a, a radio she founded in Miami in the early 90s okay. and it was an art radio and we would in, and I came in when I moved to Miami she invited me to be part of it uh, and it's a great project and we wow. still you know she does it in Chile she moved to Chile so she took the project with her and uh, but I'm still, still part of it and we have ideas and we interview people and we we do some installations and yeah it was the first it was Miami's look into that it was first Miami's first artist radio so yeah talking head transmitters we have the web 1982 you said no 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 I don't know I think 98 I don't know in what year Eugenia founded it I think it's I want to say it's 98 I think that's incredible but I moved in 2003 and I started there like 2007. Wow, yeah. and the archives available, hopefully. On yeah, 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 well, we uh, we had a little problem with the web uh, transferring all the data from the old system to the new yeah. system, but we're in the process. Oh, but the web amazing. is there, and you can mm -hmm. visit it. Yeah. So incredible. www.talkingheadtransmitters. Um, check also, that out. Our check listeners. it out, and we'll be putting um, Amalia's information on our website, so you guys and can hopefully SoundCloud. see mm -hmm. SoundCloud and look forward into seeing the shows coming up hopefully in November. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yes. We have one question left. Yes, Maria's oh, very last question. <laughs> okay. You've been sitting in a magical rocking chair. I know. I love all this it. time, and it grants you three wishes. Okay. They only come true if you say your wishes out loud. So you're okay. gonna have to say it out loud. <laughs> I have to have three wishes. Three. Yes, in life, whatever, whatever, in life, in death, in universe, anything. Okay, can I have a minute to yeah, think totally. about it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ah, this is a hard one. I know. <laughs> I love this. It always people. Well, I do wish um, a better future for humanity in the first place. I hope that we can see in our life a change happening, consciousness happening towards the other, towards nature. Uh, that's my first wish. I hope we see something about that. I hope we, um, I don't know if I have three wishes, but I hope that I can continue doing my work and talking about it and, you know, having shows and being able to live, you know, a life, a happy life that I've had. Uh, that's it. I don't think I have three wishes. 
And I wish you a great future with rocking uh, chair <laughs> session. So you're the first person to give away a wish. Oh my God, we take uh, it, we take it. We'll take the wish, we'll take it. Um, thank you thank so much. You so much. Thank you, I loved yeah, talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening in again. It goes too fast. That was wonderful. Elise is always sad because it, it goes, goes by fast. so fast. I know. But we are going to be back next week with session 57. With surprise guests. <laughs> Until Volume then. 57 already. Yeah. Bye. Bye, you guys.